today. We are on week five already. Can you believe this? Five weeks ago, we said we were going to launch a, a campaign of 40 days of what? Community. community. Praise God, it must be sticking. 40 days of community, and that has been our prayer. And guys, community and, and unity, I've said it every week, are happening. I've asked everybody this every week, but I want to ask you, who's still going to small groups? Man, look at all those hands. Give yourselves another hand. I bet y'all are enjoying that and seeing that and experiencing. Are you experiencing the community and the unity at these small groups? If you didn't raise your hand, no judgment. It's not too late to get it, get plugged in. Come see me, Pastor Jessica. Any one of those folks that had their hands raised, we'd love to get you plugged in and involved for the next two weeks. And so each week we've been talking, community and unity is our, is our main theme, but we've kind of been, we've been talking about relationships, we've been talking about working together, we've been talking about the church, and today we're going to be talking about serving together. Say this with me, my service, my service. Is, essential. is essential. Have you ever thought of your gifts and your talents and the, the, the gifts and talents that you can bring into God's house as something that is essential to the church. And I don't mean it in a prideful way. I don't mean to say, oh, look at my gifts and look what I can bring to the table. I mean it in a sincere, God-fearing, confident way that says, you know what? If I'm not serving where God has called me to serve, then the church is missing something. And that's what I want you to see today, that every one of us has a specific purpose has a specific gift, and something that you bring to God's table. And so I know we just re relaunched and kind of reimagined our connection class. And we're doing it one Sunday every month, every third Sunday. We had seven folks go through our connection class last week. Come on, somebody. And so some of those folks are here. And so their next step after they, after they complete that connection class, they're connected at, to the to the the church, and now they get to serve within the church. If you went to that class, are you guys serving yet? Right, that's your next step. We, help, we hope to help you identify where God is calling you to serve, and then hopefully the Holy Spirit prompts you to have the faith to take those steps. Say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk this out because I'm called, I'm anointed, I'm gifted to do a specific purpose. And so that's what we're going to talk about today is the church coming together, seeing, and, and seeing that there's value in you, but when I see that there's value in me in Christ, what does that do? It, it, it sh the Holy Spirit shows us that there's value in every single person. And we are better together. Amen. We can, we can accomplish a whole lot more for Jesus if we're all in it together. Right? We can accomplish a whole lot more together than if, if you guys are just, if you're just dependent on, on, on me and Pastor Jessica, we are your pastors, guys. There's responsibility and there is work in that calling. And, and believe me when I say we're doing the best that we can. But if you're just expecting us to save the whole city of Holly Pond, guys, we're going to fail. We're, gonna, we're trying our best, but if we all come together... Right? Then maybe we can save the, the city of Holly Pond. We can turn Holly Pond into Holy Pond. Come on, somebody. Let's turn Holly Pond into Holy Pond. And we can do that. Literally, if we, if we have real community in unity, and what, can I ask you a question? Would you join me and Pastor Jessica? And this has been my prayer that, that the community of Holly Pond 
would recognize us by our unity, by the community that you feel when you step through these doors. And I, I say that to ask you to join me in prayer because I don't want this community and unity that we're experiencing and feeling to, to end on day 41. Right? Hopefully this 40 days is a launching pad for us to establish something that, that's bigger and greater than we can perceive or think or imagine. Amen. So I want to ask you guys to join me that LCHP would be recognized by its unity, that we love everyone. And we'd be recognized by the community that we have and that we share with each other, even in the community of Holly Pond. Amen. So if you brought your Bibles, hope you brought your sword to church. Turn to Philippians 2. Two, and actually, our bro brother Bob actually read the scripture to us already this morning in worship as we've been sharing the scripture for 40 days of community. But let's read it together again. Look what it says. Philippians 2, 2. It says, then make me truly happy by agreeing. I want you to underline that word if you are following along. Agreeing wholeheartedly with who? Each other. With each other. Loving one another and working together with one mind and one purpose. Agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working. There's that, that word. We're talking about serving together for a greater purpose. Not just any old purpose, something that's good and sounds good. We're coming together in agreement, loving each other, and working together for Him. Working together in one mind and in one purpose. As I said, if we come together in unity and community, we can affect our community in a powerful way. But before we can kick the devil's teeth in, see souls redeemed, set free, saved, raised up, sound like good things? We got to do those together. See, service is fun. It's essential, but when we do it together, it's fun. I want to leave you a little challenge. Before we can do all the miracles, God's going to do the miracles through us. I don't, I'm not meaning to say that we do the miracles. God's going to do them through us. Before we can experience the miracles, guess what first has to happen? Unity. We have to agree wholeheartedly, as we just read. First. First we need to agree. Then, somebody say then. Uh, then we can serve together. Right? We can't serve together. If we're not first in agreement. So we need to agree on some fundamental things, right? What's one? The word of God. We need to agree that we believe in the entire word of God. From Genesis to Revelations. All. Put that in the chat today if you're watching with us. All. All the word of God. We have to value each other. And see the value in others. As we see the value and, and, and the favor over our own lives. And we have to believe that because God loved us, God loves everyone. So before we totally dive in, I want to look at that first point together today. And let me say this about before we can serve together, we have to agree together. The stronger unity that we have, the greater the impact of the service. Did you hear what I said? The stronger we agree, the more we come together, it's a whole lot harder for the devil to divide us. The stronger we are unified in God's purpose for us and our church, the greater 
impact of the service. Okay? Look at this first point. It's a little unrelated to what I just said. But we, we need to be established and rooted in the purpose that God has for everyone. Right? God loves everyone. So look what this first point says. When a person is born again, they are adopted into the family of God. We are a family. We need each other. And we get more done together. God has a spiritual family, a spiritual place in a spiritual family for every single person on the planet. We've all been orphaned, and because we've all been orphaned, we've been abandoned, and because of those two things, God sent Jesus Christ to adopt us. And God doesn't just adopt anybody. When you adopt someone, it goes without saying that you have a place for them. You can feed them. You can care for them. You can love them. You have room for them. Who has been adopted by Jesus Christ? I hope there's some of us. And if you haven't made Jesus Christ your personal Lord and Savior, that is okay. I hope by the end of today, something that I say that the Holy Spirit says through me could inspire you to see that God has room for you. He has a place in his family for you. He has a table and a chair at his magnificent dining table with your name on it. And so when a person is born again, they are adopted into that type of family, a family that will never, ever, you can't replace your spiritual family. You can't replace who God is in our lives. We're a family. Look at your family family. It may be dysfunctional. There ain't a, there ain't a normal family on, on the planet, I don't think. But every family, there's a, there's a role and there's a purpose and there's a place for each member, right? I guess I'm the dad and the husband of our family. Got an amazing wife and she's the mother of our family and she keeps us really glued together. My job is to, to provide financially, I guess, for our family. Jessica helps provide too. Xander's stepping into his role. What should we say Xander is? He gives us a lot of laughs. He is physically gifted. There's a role and there's a purpose and there's a place for him. And Bodie, he's our, I think he's our peacemaker, huh, babe? He just, he's just got a gentle spirit. And Jira Girl, she's on her way, and there'll be a specific purpose and place for her and our family. And God's family, God has a specific role for you and your neighbor. And if we're not fulfilling that role, what happens to our family if, if Pastor Jessica doesn't fulfill her role? We suffer. <laughs> Say that with me, suffer. Ain't no laundry getting done. I mean, I can do it. I can do dishes. We suffer. If dad doesn't go to work, if I don't fulfill my role, we suffer. So I want, to write, I want you to write this down today. It's a question, an individual question personally for all of us. Am I fulfilling my role in God's family? 
As that last point said, we can accomplish more when we, we do more together. Look at Romans 8. I want to give you three verses. 14, 17. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you've received God's Spirit when He, there it is, adopted you as His own children. Now we call Him Abba Father. For His Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are His children, we are His heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share in His glory, we must also share in His suffering. This is for somebody today, I feel like, as I was just reading that. If you believe in Jesus, you're His heir. You belong to Jesus. Don't let, don't let negative thoughts or negative opinions of others as they talk, maybe talk about you. You think they're talking about you. You are a child of God. And no one can steal that or take that from you except one person, and that's you. When you buy that little lie, you take yourself out of the equation. Right? So I don't know who needed to hear that, but you're his. And when you're his, can't no, nothing or nobody, like I said, other than you, take you out of his purpose, his plan, his promises, his grace, his favor out of his hands. Right, Because you're his. It says, for his spirit joins with our spirit to what? Affirm. To confirm that you are mine. Right? So, look at that next point. It's actually a little question. It says, so what is it going to take for us to serve together? And actually, is it okay if I go ahead and edit that on the fly? I kind of don't like that. I want to I change that. I want it to say... What does it take from, someone say from, from us to serve together? Because community is not about what we can get from others. It's about what we can give. Right? So we have to understand if we want to experience signs, miracles, wonders in our church, we want to experience a deeper level of community and unity that if I come to church looking at what others can give me, we ain't going to make it. But if I come to church with the, the prayer and the, the attitude and the spirit of what am I bringing to the table today? What, what am I going to give today? Because if we all do that, guess what happens? We serve each other. And when you serve somebody, the needs that they have get met. And if you serve somebody... Somebody will serve you because as we sow, as we reap, and blessings, and obedience of faith. And so we, we have to see what is it going to take from us. So let's look at that next point. So there's four things I want to give you today. Four things that we're going to have to give on a daily basis to those in our families, those in our friends, those that we love, and even those that are challenging to love. Right? If you can give these four things, community and unity and God's favor and grace can flow through us. Okay, So look at that first one. And we kind of touched a little bit on, on trust last week as we talked about building healthy relationships. But look what this says. So trust. 
We build trust through loyalty, faithfulness, and trustworthiness. Trust is the foundation of community and unity. As I said, I have to be able, before I can serve alongside you, I have to understand that I can trust you. I know we've all been hurt. Somewhere along the line, we've, we've been offended. Somewhere along the line, we've, we can get callous. We can get stubborn. But if there can be a level of trust that is built on a foundation of who Jesus Christ is, a level of trust that is established in truth. Trust has to be established in truth. And when we can establish trust in truth, it can be forged by faith, and that type of trust is not easily broken. Right? We have to freely give trust. If I want others to trust me, I have to be faithful in the little. We're going to talk about that today. But if I want trust from others, then I got to be trustworthy. I got to be loyal. I have to be faithful. And if you can be loyal to others and you can be faithful to others and trustworthy to others, then relationship can happen. Trust is, as I said, forged. It's, it's built over an extended period of time. It can take five months. It can take five years. It can take 50 years for you to establish a level of trust with an individual. And you can lose that trust in a moment with something that you say, something that you said you was going to do that you didn't do with a little word of gossip with it, something that you spent years building in one moment can be gone and in that moment when trust is broken what breaks down the relationship suffers we hurt others but the, the thing that we're praying and asking God for to happen at a deep level, right, these next 40 days, community and unity, it's demolished when trust is broken. There's no more unity and fellowship and community. Fall, they crash. We can't serve effectively together if we can't trust one another. Look at Luke 16.10. It says, if you're faithful in the little things, you'll be faithful in the large ones. But if you're dishonest in the little things, you'll be, dis you'll be, excuse me, I mumbled that up. If you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. I had this little thought as I was reading this the other day. Great trust, the, this trust I'm talking about, it's built. But the great trust, as we just read, it says, if you're faithful in the little things, you'll be faithful in the large ones. So we're trying to establish a greater trust with our neighbors and our brothers and our sisters in Christ. Build this great trust. Lord, we've shown me it's, it's done through just the, 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 the routine small decisions. The decisions that you maybe not even think about. Every time you do the, this, the small next right thing, the small decision. I, I, I'm just going to keep showing up to work. 
10 minutes early every, every day or 15 minutes early every day. If you do that, just that small decision over an extended period of time, it establishes a strong trust because you're doing the small decision. You're faithful in the little, and then you'll be faithful in the big, right? As we ask God to use us and to launch us in, in, into our operating gifts and talents and abilities that God has given us, you got to be faithful in the small decisions. Hopefully, before you're serving on a team somewhere, you're routinely going to church on Sunday mornings. As you are faithful in going to church and not missing church, apart from, I know things happen, you know, major events or things that happen that you can't be at church, but you establish this level of faithfulness, and then that, you, you know what, I'm going to get plugged into small groups. You establish that level of faithfulness. You know what, I'm going to start coming to Subway Recovery. You establish your level of faithfulness. And, and the more faithful you are in the little, the more faithful you'll be in the greater things. Maybe one day you'll be on this stage preaching on a Sunday. Or one day you can be prophesying and declaring at another church on a stage. As long as it's in His purpose and in His will. If you're faithful with the little, you can establish great trust. And not only do we establish trust with others, we establish trust with who? God. That I'm faithful before I'm on stage, God. I'm, I'm faithful sweeping and mopping the floors, right? When, when no one's looking. Or I, I'm faithful in picking up trash in the parking lot. Before I get on stage, God, I'm, I'm faithful in serving and loving my brother and my sister. And when you're faithful in the little, it shows God that he can trust you with more. Look at Proverbs. 11.23. I hit on this a little bit as we're talking about building trust and what can crush it. A gossip goes around telling secrets, but those who are trustworthy, underline that word, we're looking to be trustworthy people, can keep a confidence. And I know this about gossip. It can destroy. The Bible talks over and over about gossip. And this is actually a little test and trial that me and Pastor Jessica have gone through recently. And sometimes the people that hurt you the most can be some of your closest friends that you think. And at the end of the day, we have, when we get hurt, we have to forgive those folks and release them. But when that happens, when we got hurt, me and Pastor Jessica had to have a decision and a you know, conversation. We're still, we, we forgive them, we release them, but you know what? They're no longer privy to the deep things that we shared with them before. Right? Because that wouldn't be wisdom. Right? We, we're still going to be friends. We can still love them. But at the end of the day, the, the, that level of trust that we had, now I'm not saying we can't get back there one day, but that level of trust, what happened in a moment? All because of gossip. The one thing most all of us can agree on is we don't like when people talk bad about us. And at the end of the day, Jesus sat with Judas, and he still invited Judas to be on his team, knowing what Judas would do. He still loved Judas, 
And so even in the midst of hurt and, and pain, when, when something gets back to you that somebody that you thought you could trust would say something, I know it hurts. We've been there, as I'm sharing. But at the end of the day, we still have to love those folks, forgive those folks, and release those folks. Right? I share all that to say, watch what you say. Sarcasm is one of the biggest, it's something I need to work on. I've been feel like I've been getting a whole lot better. Is that right or wrong, babe? If you're shaking her head, yes. I'm going to make that my confession that I'm getting better. Power, the Bible says the, the, the tongue is the power of life and death. And so the things that we say about others, just, just, is it worth it? So that you can make yourself laugh or you can make yourself feel better or so that you can get one on them. None of those are Holy Spirit attributes. None of those are Holy Spirit indwelling presence, leading. Those are all flesh fulfilling. And if I'm not led by the Spirit, I'm led by the flesh. And the Bible says that to get to heaven, we need to be led by the Spirit of heaven, which is the Holy Spirit. So let's not be a church that gossips. Let's be a church that Loves. Amen? Gossip destroys trust. The next one that we have to give. We have to give trust freely. We have to give compassion. And I feel like this is a no-brainer. You might be thinking, well, duh, Pastor Ian, we need to have compassion. We need to love others. But it, it may be harder than you think. Look what it says. We cultivate. So how do we cultivate compassion? You know, we, com- we cultivate compassion by listening, asking questions, and showing emotion. Compassion is empathy. Who knows what empathy is? It's when you, when you, you demonstrate to somebody else that, that you're not just hearing what they're saying, but you're actually, you're there with them. You can feel, you almost take, you take on their hurts. You take on the, the, the season and the trial that they're in. It grieves them, and so it grieves you. Any parents? If you had kids... What happened when they're crying, when they're hurting? What happened to you? You hurt. That's not something, that's not a front that you have to fake. That's your kid and they, they hurt. God's the same way. As we started this, what did we say? He has adopted you into his family. And Jesus Christ empathized with us on the cross. He loves you. He's for you. When I experience and receive that type of love, Jesus asks us to go a step further. Love God with all, everything in you and love your neighbor as yourself. So when my neighbor, anybody other than my own kids, I need to love my neighbor like I love my own kids. Whew, that sets a high standard. I can love my kids easy, guys. Well, some days it's a little challenging, huh, Shigaboo? When they break your brand new 85-inch screen TV. Didn't need to bring that back up. 99.9% of the time, my kids and my family is very easy to love. We all have our hiccups and bumps. I need to love others the way that I love my kids. Because compassion is something that we cultivate. 
And, and, and as being a pastor, you know what? If, if, you, if you walk this out, being compassionate to others, opening yourself up to ask people, how can I pray for you? How can I love, how can I love on you? How, what's going on uh, in you, in your life? As I've done this for, we've been pastoring five, six years. With practice, you can get better. I feel like I was, I was not very good at, this, this was an area that I was, was not very good at. And if you're faithful in the little, what, do we, what does it say? You'll be faithful in much. And so as you begin to walk this out, the Holy Spirit will help you grow. We talked about growing last week for you to get better, to be compassionate and loving others. Being compassionate is more, somebody say more, than just telling your neighbor that you love them. If that's all we have is lip service, I love you, God loves you, that's as far as we go, that's, that's not really, that's like the, like point one on the compassion scale. God loves you. How can I take the next step in demonstrating to that person that God does love them? How can I be the hands and feet of Jesus to cultivate compassion? I can listen to them. I prompt them with a question, a spiritual question, and I can begin to listen. I can then ask questions on how I can be better praying for them, and then I can then show emotion. The best thing you can do as you're ministering or walking in compassion is showing emotion to the other person. We're emotional people, right? And so when others know that we love them, we're talking about, let me reel this into serving. When you've demonstrated God's compassion to that individual, eventually, then they can begin to serve alongside of you, right? Because if they know that they're loved by God and by you, you've established and built a level of trust. And now that they trust you, now they can serve with you. And that may take time. More likely, it's going to take time. Sometimes you instantly hit it off with people. You ever met somebody and they're just like, like you incarnate, right? We like people that are like us. That's okay. We're actually going to talk about the next point here on how important it is to, to surround ourselves with people that are not like us. But some people we just hit it off with, right? And it's easier to, to be compassionate to them and it's easier to, to have a relationship with them. We can't just, just stop there. We got to go farther. And we gotta we gotta be in, in grant we gotta be involved in the work of showing compassion to all people. Look at James 1.19. It says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must, you must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. It says, you must be quick to listen. Christians should be the best listeners on the planet. We need to do less talking and more listening. I feel like this is something that I need to work on. 
if it's a, a closed setting, if I'm, if I'm meeting with somebody for the purpose of, and we do this, for counsel or something that's going on with them, we're, we're meeting for the purpose of counseling. I feel like I do a good job of sitting and listening. But if you've maybe hung out with me outside of church, I know me and a couple guys will go, we'll go disc in, disc golf, or we'll hang out and get something to eat. We'll, we'll do fun things. If you've hung out with me, I'm going to go ahead and apologize. I feel like I do a bad job of, I end up being the talker. Imagine that. So I stand up here and talk all the time. And really, in those moments, I need to do a better job of listening. Like, how can I empathize and be compassionate to, you don't need to hear what's going on in my life. Relationships, it's, it's like tennis. It's, it's a back and forth, right? It's a volley, right? If it's all about, what's going on with me? I got this, I got this, I got this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I got this. If it's, if it's just you, just, just, just it needs to be, they open up and, and, and you listen. And you maybe need to listen some more and, and maybe need to listen some more. And then, then you volley back, right? And it's a, it's a back and forth. It's a back and forth. And if we can, if we can do that, then what we're talking about happens. Where we, we show compassion. Romans 12, 15. It says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Showing compassion means we share in their victories and we share in their defeats. Jesus Christ cannot be defeated, but we experience defeat as Christians. And there's nothing more powerful that when you're going through a defeat, something you got blindsided by, something you did not expect to be going through, there's nothing that speaks more volumes of God's love than when a brother or sister is in the trenches with you and they're listening to you and they're hearing you and they're showing emotion with you and that God uses that person to help carry you out of that darkness and that despair, right? Because we rejoice with those who rejoice and we weep with those who weep. Look at that next point. Next thing we need to give is acceptance. As I was saying earlier, you know, we have a tendency to, to flock towards people that are like us. But the power in growing God's kingdom is seeing the value and the difference of, of others. Look what it says. We all have to be, excuse me, we are all have different gifts, ideas, and personalities. We strengthen our community when we accept this reality and work together. Say this with me. Different, different. is good. Different is good. Different, how crazy would it be if, if God just created us all exactly the same? Not only would that be boring, that just, that won't work. God, God understands different because he creates us all specific. He, he, he puts a little bit of him in every single one of us. Different is how God covers his bases. If you get uh, in a circle or if you close yourself off in a circle of people who are exactly like you, and the only friends you have are people that are just like you, nine times out of ten, their blind spots are the same as yours. And so all it takes is one, one little fox to spoil the vine, right? And not only is your life wrecked, everybody that's with you's life's wrecked. And so different is how God covers the bases within his family, 
the church. And so when we all come together in our differences and we accept each other, the enemy hates that. Because when we come together in unity and in community, our blind spots are covered. And when we accept others for who they are, we step into a new level of God's mercy, his compassion, and his grace when we accept others and we can work together, right? We need different because someone else, they need your gifts in their life. I need my wife's gifts in my life because it's funny how the Lord put us together because we are different in a lot of ways. I've shared this before. I feel like we cover each other's blind spots the way God put us together because the things I'm good at, she's not necessarily as good at, and the things she's good at, I'm not necessarily as good at. So God putting us together, making us one, right? Someone needs your gifts in their life, your good holy gifts. And you need somebody else's good holy gifts in your life. When we come together and have church on Sunday morning, it's a bringing together of all of God's gifts. And we accept one another and we cheer each other on. What would happen if God's people brought all of their God gifts into God's storehouse? Who knows? Malachi 3.10. It's about finances and money. It's about the tithe. He says, bring the tithe to to, to my storehouse so that there may be money in my house. What if God's requiring us to bring our gifts of service into his storehouse so that his house will have gifts? We need people to step into the service of prayer. Some of you are called to praying for others. Some of you, we, we, need, we need people to step into the gift of the prophetic. Some of you have the ability and the gift to, 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 to see and experience God in, in a way that God wants to use you to edify the body. Some of you have the gift of teaching and preaching, and I know some of you who they are. And God wants to use you one day on a stage in front of people. Not, not to glorify you, but because you're going to glorify him. What would happen if God's people brought their gifts into God's storehouse so that his house could have gifts in it? 2 Timothy 2.24, says, A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone and able to teach and be patient. Say that word with me. Patient. With what? Difficult. People, I'm not going to add to God's word, but but you you could almost change that word difficult to different. You're not patient with people that are difficult, and you're not patient with people that are different than you because you think you're right and they're wrong. When I accept them, it's not about being right or wrong. It's about saying, God loves this person, so Lord, grant me patience, grant me grace to accept this person because they're different. Because they're different, I might need them in my life. I remember growing up, 
there were two or three kids. The, my best, the best relationships I had in high school were kids that when we started off, we hated each other. We were so different. And we got into it over a girl. Dumb. Say that with me. Dumb. Anyway, and we, after we got through the issue, we ended up being best friends. But at the beginning, we were different. They were difficult in my eyes. And so I wonder, I didn't do all that in faith. That didn't happen when I was a Christian. So let's spiritualize this. Who's the most difficult person in your life? I wonder if that secretly could be your best friend. And it's just going to take some of God's love, God's grace, God's patience, God's patience, excuse me, and acceptance. And what could have happened? Look at Romans 12, 6. We have different gifts according to the grace that's been given to each of us. Man, I had a cool thought about this scripture this week. It says, we have different gifts. Can y'all agree? Some of, us, some of us share a gift. But for the... 99% of the time, we all have different gifts. And so it says, we have different gifts, Romans 12, 6 says, according to the grace given to each of us. Think of the gifts that you have. The gifts that God has given you, He has given you the grace for. Don't despise your gift. The gift that the thing that you're good at, the thing that God wants to use in you to help serve others and serve his church and serve people, God has given you the grace to walk in. Sometimes when I second guess if I'm if I'm saying or preaching anything good, are we making a difference in Holly Pond? Are we pastoring well? And I'll begin to beat myself up and I. I have a hard time, I live in a negative space, so I have a hard time seeing the positive things and the amazing things that are happening. Excuse me. And when I get to that place, I, 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 the Lord showed me I was doing this without not knowing Romans 12, 8, but I, I have to encourage myself. And the Lord just reminded me this week with, with Romans 12, 8 that I have the grace to preach. I, well, he wouldn't have called me to preach if I didn't have the grace first, right? So don't second, gift, second guess the gift God gave you because he's equipped you with the grace. You know, his grace doesn't run empty. For you to walk in it and be faithful in it and be victorious in it, you have the grace to do it. And I know that a lot of you, because you're like me, we will compare our gifts to my brother's gifts. I secretly get a, get a little jealous of, of Pastor Rob every week because I get to come up here and rock out for Jesus. One of my first ministries was actually playing drums at our Celebrate Recovery. So worship was one of my main gifts. And you got to be careful because you're not called to compare your gifts to other people's gifts. But what I want to say is, if you have this desire, maybe you two want to rock out with, with Pastor Rob every Sunday, but you yet can't 
play the guitar, or you yet can't play the drums, or whatever it is. And I'm just using that as an example. If you desire the gift, pray for the grace. Did you guys get that? The Holy Spirit can give us any gift that we need in a moment. And so if you don't yet, somebody say yet. See, you just don't have the gift yet. If you don't have the gift that you desire yet, and if you desire for, for something holy, for God to use it to multiply his kingdom, for God to use it for you to minister Jesus Christ to others, if that's your desired motivation, God will give it to you. But if you don't have the gift yet, stop praying for the gift. Stop praying. God, let me, let me learn to play guitar so I can bless people. God, God, don't give me the gift of preaching so that I can be on stage and, and preach. God, I want the gift of speaking in tongues. God, I want the gift of Begin to pray, God, give me the grace to walk in the gift of. Because we have different gifts according to the grace, it says, that's been given us. And I know about my God. His grace, as I said, does not run empty. Come on, somebody. Look at that last point. I need to wrap this up. The, the last thing that we need to do to serve together, that we need to give, is communicating the mission of Jesus Christ and the mission of our church. A common mission and vision unites us, creating synergy and energy for the kingdom of God. A church body must always revisit the why of what we're doing and why we're doing it. That why is always rooted in Jesus Christ, but every church, guys, we're, our church is cool because we have, it's the same church in two different locations in two different communities. For the most part, we do the, the same things, but just being in Holly Pond for five years, we've had to tweak what we do, the Holy Spirit, give me the word I'm trying to say. The identity, the DNA of who Liberty Church is. We're not compromising our identity, our DNA, but we've had to tweak how we do things just for, for Holly Pond. So every church has the, the fundamental why of we're doing this for Jesus Christ. We want to we preach truth to see people saved, redeemed, set free. But then each church has a specific function and ability to minister to the community that it exists within. When you revisit your why, it unites a body. Do you know Liberty Church's why? Who knows one of our mission statements? I'll give you a hint. They're right there in those blue banners, one of them. What's our why? Read it together. What does it say? That has to be our heartbeat and everything that we do. Because God raised Ian up from Nothing. Because I've experienced his blessing and favor and grace. I want to reach out so that others can be raised up. We want to win and, and that's the other part of our mission statement. That's our why. That, that's our why. And when we come together and we circle around that why of what we're doing, why I come every Sunday morning and, and help the media team, why I come every Sunday morning and help our children's church and why I come every Friday night and help Becky and, and Pete cook and, and help love on, on people that are struggling with addiction and, and why I come and, and help with the usher team is because we want to reach out and raise up. It's because we want to win souls, make disciples, and destroy works of the devil. 
And, when, and if you get weary and tired and you forget and you lose sight of that, why? The unity falls to the wayside and, and the community will fall to the wayside. And we have, to, we have to circle the wagons and remind ourselves of the why. And that creates synergy and energy and momentum and passion and zeal and excitement within the church body. Look at Philippians 127. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit. And what does it say? One purpose, fighting what? Together for the faith which is the good news. Jesus is why we stand together. Jesus is the, the, the one purpose that we have. Jesus, we don't have these Liberty Church whys without Jesus. Jesus is our why. And then Jesus specifically uses us to fight together in one spirit and in one body and one purpose for the gifts and the talents that he has placed within our church body. Christ makes community and unity that serves together, which is focused on God's kingdom. Our focus has to be God's kingdom. As focused as we are on our natural families, and I know that's our main focus, and we preach, your first ministry is your family. But how much synergy and energy could happen within our spiritual family at our church if the amount of love and the effort that we poured into our family families, right? You get up with those kids at 5.30 every morning to get them ready for school. You pack their lunches. You love them. You have compassion. You accept them for who they are. You get them to school, and then you take them to ball practice till 9, 10 o'clock at night. Then you cook dinner. Then you do their laundry, and you do the same thing the next morning, and it's over. And You, 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 you don't have to fake that. You don't have to put that on. You, you know the why. It's because you love them. What if we looked at our church family like that? Now I know some of y'all are like, man, Pastor Ian, I ain't got no more energy after all that. Guys, I got a three and a half, a one and a half, and a zero in the oven. I get it. I see it. But I don't have my family without him. And what I have is because of him. And if I say that he's number one, then that same love I showed to my family family, I got I to gotta be that for my spiritual family. Can I get some commitments, some hands to say, hey, I want to be that person. I know it's going to take me farther. I got a couple hands. I know it's going to mean more from me. But I want to love my, my spiritual family because I want to serve alongside them. I want, I want to love them like I love my family family. If we can do that, pff, chalk it up. We'll have some unity. We'll have community, and God can use us in a supernatural way. Amen. Let's pray together. Well, Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you, and we thank you. I thank you for this word, and as we're talking about 40 days of community, serving together, pray something I said made sense today. It would inspire us to desire deeper, deeper level of relationship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. It would raise the accountability in our lives. We would see the value in others and the value in ourselves that we all have gifts. Some of us are different. 
And if we can accept each other, love each other, then the sky's the limit for what God, God wants to do in and through us. Lord, so I pray that. Pray that over us. That we wouldn't be about what we can get from others, but we would be about what we can give to others. If you're born again, you are already in a relationship, a daily relationship with Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. I want to ask you to pray for the lost, please. Those that do not know him in a real powerful way, in an intimate way. <clears throat> Thank you for praying for the lost. And if you're here today, either joining us here in the sanctuary, or if you're watching us online today, you say, Pastor Ian, that, they're praying for the lost. I, I feel like I'm lost. I think I may believe in God, but I'm not in this daily relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, first thing is, that's okay. No one judges you. I want to tell you that if that's you today, you can change that. And it's easy and simple. I want to rectify that here in a few moments. But if you say, I'm lost, I'm hurting, I, 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 need, I need God's help. If you need God's help, you are in the right place. If you want to pray to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, then I want to ask you to do something. You can do one or two things. You can either just raise your hand up right now. I want you to raise your hand, or I want you to physically stand up out of your seats. Whatever the Holy Spirit's leading you to do, I want you to do something. The Bible says faith without works is dead. So this is a way that you can show God you hear what He's saying to you. You can hear what He's saying to your heart. A few moments to get right with Jesus Christ. A few moments. If you're joining us online, put something in the chat, please, to let us know you're praying. Say, hey, I'm praying this prayer with you guys today. We would love to see that and help minister with you online. Amen. A few more moments. Best decision you've ever made to transform your entire life. Thank you, Jesus. I want to lead us all in a prayer. I want you guys to repeat after me. Let's say it together. Heavenly Father, God, we love you. We accept your son, Jesus. And we believe that he is. Savior of the world. The Lord of my life. I confess that he is. My personal Lord and Savior. Thank you for forgiving me of my past. Forgiving me of my sins. Send your Holy Spirit. To redeem my future. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Y'all noticed I went a little long because y'all are staying here anyway. That's supposed to be funny. Amen. Anybody glad you came to church today? We're glad you came too, all right? Love you so much. I'm going to ask you, if you have kids, to go get those your kids first and then come back and we'll have. We have all the food behind these curtains. I'm going to bless it here in a moment too. This is real easy. The way we have it.